Okay, hi everyone. My name is PK, and here today I've got an incredibly special guest. Her name is Jane Slack Smith, and if you haven't heard of her, like I'm not sure what to say. She's basically a household name in Australia in property circles. And today's episode, today's show, is all going to be around what can you learn from one of the most successful property investors. And also, I would say one of the most successful students of success, as well as teachers of success in Australia. Do you want to achieve wealth and passive income through property investing? PK Gupta, host of Oz Property Investment Mastery, will help you achieve passive income by buying top 5% growth and positive cash flow property and building a portfolio using data without you wasting months of time doing research, spending weekends at inspections, or dropping ten dollars to $20,000 on buyer's agents each time. So if you are confused and overwhelmed by the amount of contradictory information available online and don't know where to start, then this show is for you. Jane, thank you for coming and making time. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. I, I Look, I loved having a chat with you a few weeks ago when you said, no, will you come and have a chat with me more about this? I'm like, hell yeah, that'd be great. So yeah. I'm really excited. And like I said to you, like when we had that chat, my kind of lingering thought was just how much mindset has led to your success, you know, whatever that means to different people. But just if you don't know who Jane is, you know, she's a commentator, she's an educator, she's an author, renovation, like expert queen, as they would say. She's almost been on like every single property podcast in Australia. She's one mortgage broker in Australia twice. Um, Like I could go on and on, you know, her last book, I think first book was, is now 10 years old. So you can see that she's not sort of like some fly by the night, you know, property guru. She's, you know, she's the real deal. And for people like me, you know, and I know so many of you people, um, you guys, you know, you follow me, which I'm grateful for, but rewind seven years, eight years, nine years, 10 years, when I was just starting off, it was people like Jane who I looked up to. All right. So it's almost like the second generation in one sense, but, um, but yeah, hopefully that, that intro does justice, Jane. I, yeah. I, I'm super excited to, to hear what we'll talk about. Oh, I'm so excited too. I mean, the thing is around the, the people who hang out in this space are people who've already made a choice to do things differently. And, you know, they've made a choice, whether it is property that is going to give them financial security to do the next thing, to live the life they want. And, and I'm always all about what's that life that they want. And I just want to be able to, you know, give people and be of service to give them enough information that allows them to get to where they want to be. So, yeah, I'm, I'm more than happy to uh, discuss all of those Amazing. things. Amazing. And I was telling Jane before that I want to label this episode, you know, key lessons from a multimillionaire, but I thought that was a bit corny and cheesy, but that's essentially like the the essence of what I'm trying to achieve. So, so stick with us, Jane. I think the first thing is, you know, you're obviously not obviously, but you were before a mining engineer before this Mm -hmm. whole property thing, you know, specializing in explosives, Mm -hmm. you know, obviously back then, even now it's kind of a very male orientated, you know, field or space you could say you're a bit of a maverick, but I just want you to, you know, take us through the mindset of someone who does new things or breaks the mold, because I feel property mm-hmm. investors, even though there's so many of them in Australia, they're all breaking the mold. Like what got you into mm-hmm. property investing in the first place, like many years ago? Like, why did you decide to spend so much of your hard-earned money, time, energy in property? Mm-hmm. 
uh, you know, it's a great place to start. And and I guess if I go back to the beginning, you know, I, um, you know, very humble backgrounds, country girl from Dubbo, and I knew that I had to get to university to learn how to learn. And I knew that it wasn't that important what the subject was and that curiosity and that that quest for learning. And I needed to get a scholarship to get there. So I applied for everything and, you know, mining engineering <laughs> came up. And so coming from the farm, there was never a gender issue. It's just like you just got in and worked. And so I was really surprised when I turned up on the first day and of the 50 people, there was like five girls. I was like, oh, that's a bit weird. And it then turned out that they only ever had five women um, graduate in their history of the School of Mines. And so it became this big deal. And, and you know, I found that kind of strange. And the first mine I turned up to, everyone went on strike because they felt it was going to be unlucky having a woman underground and being the first female to leave oh, wow. underground, you know. And so I found I found it kind of humorous. And then when they got to know me and knew I'd just get in and work, um, that was that was I guess a, a connection. And when I went through and did my like un, um, time underground on night shift for a year to learn how to do the jobs that I expected people to be as a manager, it really taught me it was important to be able to do the work first rather than there's direct people from above. And I guess that's how I've, I've always looked at things. I wanted to learn first before I could teach or learn first before I could lead. And I was earning a lot of money, but I did have a pattern that I was replaying with my money, which was that it would just go through my fingers. And I felt kind of and I think a lot of property investors feel like this as well. And I talk to a, a lot of my students and they, they would classify themselves as investors in solitude. Although they might be married, they're doing it alone. And it, it's mm. often a, a, a journey they're doing by themselves. And, you know, I think that often what happens with, with property is that you, you're kind of um, separating yourself from your friends and family because they're not, the people who were talking about it and often for those who then become successful or using the same metaphor for when I was earning a lot more than my friends etc or and my family I felt guilty there's kind of like a loyalty tax like a, mm. a guilt of success and so I tried to drag some of them with me others you know I knew I just couldn't talk about you know, my income or my opportunities. And, you know, I was throwing money away. And it got to the stage that I was 28, sitting under a tree reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And he said, do you work for your money? Does you want money work for you? And I, I, the light bulb went on. I was like, oh, my God, I'm throwing this away. I have to do things differently. And that's when my now husband, Todd, you know, 20 years ago, said, uh, oh, you should check out this property stuff. I did something, you know, I've had a couple of properties in New Zealand and I was like, no, nah, no, nah, you know, that means that I'm tied down. And my boss always used to say to me, I can't wait for you to get a mortgage because then I know you're stuck with your job forever. And I was like, I'm not doing that. And um, for my 30th birthday, I made an appointment with three different financial planners and I thought I'd get an independent. I'll pay them all $500 each, which seemed like a fortune. And one wanted to if it was $500 now. <laughs> I know, right? And day, day trade, one we wanted to day trade for me. And, and the other two were just like regurgitating the, the assets that their company was saying my risk yeah. profile was. And I thought I've got to do better than this because I've only got $45,000. So uh, like a good engineer who studied stuff, I went and bought hundreds of books and I read up about property and I went to all the two-hour sessions 
I mean, you've been to them, PK. Like there's, you go to so many of them and then you just kind of like, there's nothing really new, right? There's nothing. And the people who do really exciting, risky stuff are the ones that go, and I lost it all. And then I got it back again. And then I got a Mercedes. And then I got it. And I was kind of got to the stage where it didn't feel authentic to me. And I started every now and then I'd on my right-hand side of my notebook, I'd write down content that I was learning. On the left-hand side, I'd write down about the presenter, how they presented and it was like, oh, they got all teary here. And, and, you know, there was one presenter back in like 2001, 2002, and on cue he would cry. And I'd be like, oh, my God, does anyone else see this? Like, this is so <laughs> false. And I'd run to the back of the room. And so I was very indignant, I think, about mm. the education. And so, yeah, for me it was all about I can't trust anyone. I'm going to have to trust myself. I'm going to have to learn it myself. I'm going to use the low-risk, explosives, risk assessment of consequence and likelihood to understand the risks in the properties, and then I'm just going to de-risk and de-risk and de-risk. And that's how I kind of started. Yeah. There's that, there's that saying that those who can't do teach, but I think the best teachers are those that have actually done it and done it again and again and again. And, and that's kind of what strikes me. Um, from you because you obviously teach so many people um, property investing and renovation and so many different types of things but you've kind of been in in the trenches and I think maybe this is an unfair statement but like 10 20 years ago you know you go to those seminars they actually work like people do buy house and land package at the end um, at the back of the room because it's on special but I think right now people are just so much more cynical like they see through those things I think I don't know if it's right to say, but people are smarter, maybe more intelligent, more clued on to these. So you kind of need to genuinely demonstrate that you've done what it is you've te- you're teaching to get that credibility. And I think that, you know, your story, which I've heard so many times before, you know, it's always good to hear, it kind of personifies that, that principle. And I think what I wanted to ask you was, you know, like there's so many, I'm not, I'm not certainly as experienced as you, but there's so many experienced property investors who've achieved so much like you. And then there's like the 20-year-old out of uni right now or the 25-year-old or 30-year-old, even 35-year-old couple, you know, a couple of young kids who scratch their head and they listen to your story, Jane, and they're like, well, of course she could do it. You know, that's when house prices were cheap. That's when everyone could make millions of dollars through property. Um, Now it's not like that, Jane. So, you know, putting on your abundant mindset or your hat, which I know you always have on, like what, what are your lessons or what are your, what's your response to people who are saying it's so hard to start in property now versus 10, 20, 30 years ago? Yeah, it, it is interesting because, I mean, I've been a student of success and, and flow dedicated <clears throat> the last five years. And the reason around that is that, you know, I created all these online courses and, and um, you know, taught tens of thousands of people and I couldn't get why some people got it right and some people didn't and I was like you know I can get them down from ten and a half thousand suburbs down to the suburbs to be into the streets to be into the right type of property and they're still not getting it right and so I really kind of doubled down on trying to understand that the why people got it right and why people didn't and I, I honestly the the most 
valuable real estate that you can invest in is between your ears. Like that knowledge that you can get is just is priceless. And when I think about all of the first home buyers that I speak to or um, people who are just trying to get in, and it all seems so hard. Sometimes you do need to get creative, and it's it's okay to say back in back in your day it was okay, and and back in my parents' day house prices were twenty thousand dollars in Sydney. Why didn't you buy five of them? Yeah. You know, well the average income was not that much, and so you you kind of look at the situation that you're in, and one of the things that I've found that successful people do is they have that goal and that vision. And so they they really understand what they're trying to get to and they understand their current reality and where they are right now. And there's a tension between them, right? And tension, as an engineer knows, tension seeks resolution. So if you're very, very strong on, on, you know, your vision, then the current reality gets drawn to it. And I'm not talking about the secret, if you believe it's going to happen kind of stuff. I'm talking about this action that you have to take, but you have to understand where you are. And a lot of people get, um, and, and I think this, you know, I was just um, thinking and, and pulling something together around this this week, that when I think about renovation, I think about not putting on a lick of the paint at the front and making it look pretty at the front. I go in as a detective and I look at the foundations and I look at the attributes that may have been covered up and I look at what I can do to regenerate, re- rejuvenate that property and add true value. And I think we can renovate ourselves first before we can renovate or you know create that wealth that a lot of people are after. And a lot of people have limiting beliefs and it mm-hmm. might be around the fact that, you know, wealth or rich people are evil or they've done something wrong to get the money or should should I deserve to have this when my friends and family can't? Will they still love me? So there's all these stories playing around. And what fascinates me, Dr. Joe Dispenza, who, you know, talks about quantum field and quantum physics and, and all these interesting things, you know, they've done studies that show that there's 400 billion pieces of information that is fed into us every second, but we have the capacity to take on 2,000 bits. So there's a filtering system, and the easy way for us to do that is from our past experiences, thoughts, beliefs, experiences, and feelings. And so we're always filtering to where we've been. And when I talk to people who are like, it's all too hard, it was okay for you, you know, they're almost relinquishing their power of the opportunity to be able to create something new. And they're coming from the mindset of of lack. And when you come from that mindset of abundance, which is what would I have to do to achieve what I want to do? You know, it's about getting the education. It's about getting a mentor. It's about getting a coach, following successful people who've done it and ask them. And it's hard when you're trying to get a deposit together. I get it. And I, my first property I bought with a 5% deposit and I bought it so, and then took a personal loan out for the renovation. So I bought for 425,000. I only had 45 grand. 25 grand went to the government stamp duty, lots of mortgage insurance. I got in there, I backed myself, I did the renovation and nine months later, it was worth $700,000. So I pulled the equity out to go again. Now, mm-hmm. borrowing capacities, all of those things, you know, can hold people back. But there is ways, and I, and I, I just, I, I'm on an advisory board for a number of prop techs and fintech startups because I believe there should be ways that people can invest that do, isn't limited by 
their current position. And so, you know, there is opportunities for people who hit the ceiling on equity to potentially participate in someone else's deal or, you know, get their skill set up in other ways. And in some instances, people have nothing, have nothing to lose. And they're the, they're the ones who get the best opportunities. I'm sure you see that all the time. Yeah, no, for sure. I, I mean, one thing that you just said really struck me that if you have a crisp or clear enough goal and you know where you are, then there's that tension, but that tension lends itself to resolution. And I think that lending itself to resolution is the process of exploration, right? You have to explore. It's not my phrase. I can't remember who says it, but you know, you can't be what you can't see. So if you want to earn a passive income or whatever your goal is, right, you're in the communities or circles or colleagues where that's not possible. You need to find people who've actually done it. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, we've got you here on the show today, but find these people. Okay. And then, like you said, Jane, where am I? Okay. I'm, I'm very new. I don't know anything about property. What's that gap? What's that gap? And how can I try to experiment, explore, and just educate myself to get there? You know, it was, I'm reading right now, I think for the third time, Think and Grow Rich. I'm sure you've read that, Jane. And like, it's clearly not about just getting rich. It's entirely about just getting anything and not just things, but even achieving states of mind, achieving Mm -hmm. um, higher consciousness. Like, you know, we're not just grossly materialistic here. We want to achieve things though, right? Well, it's about following your true nature and purpose, right? And it's about well, what will wealth and financial security get you? And that's what I concentrate on with with my students. It's like, well, what is that? And it might be security or love or happiness or time with family. So let's concentrate on that. It's not 150,000 a year because I can tell you when I do that exercise with my clients on what their ideal life is and we cost it out, it is they are closer than they think. And, you know, those waking it up at night, worrying kind of um, times go when you're like, well, in actual fact, I only need to do this. And, you know, just listening to you say that I was reflecting yesterday, I had put down in 2002, I had like this goals list. And I was like, John Edwards was the head of Residex. And I, like, I just love the data. And my goal was to meet him. I was like, oh, my gosh, you know, I fangirl at his kind of, you know, <laughs> seminars. And, uh, and I thought, how can I be of service? And so he actually had put this report out and there were some mistakes in it. And I, I emailed him and said, look, you know, I noticed that these calculations didn't really work. It's not consistent with what you did the previous month. You know, I just thought I'd let you know. And he came back and he's like, I'm talking to John Edwards. And he's like, come on in. <laughs> and then I had the opportunity to say to him, you've got all this information on every property in Australia. Could we have a renovation report? Because I want to know the pricing disparity in the suburbs to know if we can renovate there. And he was like, hell yeah, we can build that for you. So then he comes up with his renovation report. And, you know, I set that intention to be of service to him first. Hmm. And But I also knew that then I could be of service to others by actually, you know, connecting what he had to what we needed. And so, you know, my community used his reports. So for me, you know, I, I went from mining engineer to, oh, my goodness, we've got a portfolio and I've worked out how to do that in a low-risk way with my Trident strategy. I need to show my friends and family. They built multi-million dollar property portfolios. And then 2005, I was like, I need more friends. So that's why I started the mortgage business so I could talk to people legitimately, legally, under professional indemnity about property. It wasn't about 
finance. It's just mm. a vehicle to get you to the right strategic property decision to get you to where you want to be, which is love, happiness, connection, serving, legacy, yeah. impact, whatever that is. Just, just listening to you and, and watching you speak, it's clear that the financial bit is no longer your why. Like it's, it's just no longer your it why. It was never my why. And, and isn't, I mean, anyone who's listening, like guys, just connect to that because I always talk about financial happiness, right? But that's financial happiness. Anyone who's achieved financial happiness will tell you, and you won't hear this from many other property commentators, that didn't get you actual happiness, okay? Financial happiness, like you said, Jane, it just allows you to stop worrying about mm-hmm. finances so you can start thinking about mm-hmm. what actually matters. It, does that make sense? It sounds like you've been Absolutely. down that journey. And, and, you know, one of the things I talk to my students about is true wealth, and we define what true wealth is. And I've got to tell you, it's internal and it's not external validation. And one of the little exercises that I run, and I, I, I challenge you in the next minute or two to just think about this. If you close your eyes and just consider if you wake up tomorrow and everyone else in the world is gone, like everyone's gone, you know, there's nuclear power giving you power, you can get some water and, and food, etc. Would you live in the mansion that you have to clean and it's empty? Would you wear Gucci or would you be happy in, you know, trackies? Like, would you need the big fancy car? Like, really connect with what you would really want. And when you'd be wanting to be with your friends and family and have that connection and time, you don't need the car, you don't need the fancy house, you don't need the clothes. So, and I think that's just just a really powerful exercise just to run in your mind because a lot of us, you know, there's this, this is great secret that we work 40 hours a week for 40 years to retire on 40% of what we earn. And it's like, well, why are we doing that? It's a massive fake out, if you ask me. <laughs> it's, a, it's a massive fake out. But I think what's really interesting and hopefully what people are getting out of this is that you should be laser focused about your financial health but treat it as a means to an end towards your overall health or overall wealth, not just from a finance perspective, but overall. And you you keep mentioning this word, um, Jane, service, 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 you know, the way to get ahead in life, the way to get wealthy, true wealth in life is to make an impact on as many people as possible, because then the universe gives you back. It's starting to get a bit spiritual, but you know, if you do good, you get good. Like that's pretty obvious even right now. I think just on that is that I I created my online courses because I felt it was that quantity. I needed to get to as many people as possible to get the message out. And someone said to me, what if it's just one person? What if it's just your child? What if that impact is just one person that mm. you impact and the intergenerational change that you've created in someone who can cure cancer or resolve the water issues or get us to Mars or whatever. What if it's one person? You don't have to. You know, your impact is as much as you want it to be. And, you know, I know people might be listening to this and going, it's okay for you because you've got the properties and you've got the, you know, wealth and you've got whatever you wanted. But, you know, I'm sitting here in my rented apartment and I'm, you know, I'm couch surfing or whatever just to make money on the weekends for Airbnb with renting my couch out. And, you know, I had a a mortgage client who made his deposit renting out his couch. So I get that. There's people doing this. Um, And I'm eating mints every night and and whatever. You know, there has been a journey for you and for I where we have had 
been in a position of lack, but we've concentrated on the abundance. And it's around treating people how you want to be treated, but also having the opportunity to go, well, I can't afford books or courses, go to the library, you know, Mm. and, and read the books and magazines, or, you know, I can't get the deposit then you think about what you could do a bit differently. Do you, is it just 5% that you need? If it's just 5%, how can you do that and make small goals? If it's, I have to get an extra income. Like my son just sold his Lego for $1,000. You know, I was like, what? And, you know, it's, it's actually gone up more than property, to be honest. Lego is a big investment. Okay. But, um, Separate you podcast, know. we should do that. <laughs> <laughs> but do you know what I mean? It's, it's kind of like you look at, Get on Airtasker and go and help someone move house and, you know, make a bit of extra cash. There's always ways to do things. And I think it's just about not trying to overthink what you don't have. It's about what you want and then taking action towards it. You can't just, like, want something and it's going to turn up. You know, unicorns and fairies are great but they don't always turn up so you know I think it's about that connection of what you want where you are really realistically and then taking that decisive action day by day making small steps and it's just breadcrumbs you don't have to make something dramatic yeah yeah treat treat others as you would treat yourself but I I would also add to that treat yourself the way that you deserve right? Treat yourself the way that you deserve to be treated by yourself. Don't self-sabotage. Don't make a big hairy goal and then get overwhelmed with it. Like you said, Jane, just take the first, take the next step, like just not even next step, take the next half step, just get some momentum going. Um, And maybe maybe just last question that I can hopefully extract as much value from you while I've got you and we should have a second session. But last question for now, you know, people in 2022, they're starting or in the middle of their property journey. We've had some fantastic years of growth last couple of years. There's lots going on in the world. You know, everyone says there's such uncertain times. I can tell you every year of my property investing journey has been uncertain, but let's say this is the most uncertain time and people are freaking out right? What words of wisdom or what can you say to people who are like just umming and ahhing? They know where they want to go. They know where they are. They know that property investing is that bridge, but they're just knocking down that bridge because they're saying it's all too uncertain. Mm. Look, I would just say back yourself. You can only control what you can control. And the people, you know, there's terrible things happening in the world, but there's also wonderful things happening in the world and it's the information that you take in and how you use that information. It's 2,000 bits that you get to choose. You're in control. And control, you, you can only do what you can control. So what can what step can you take? And it's not about trying to time the market. It's about being having time in the market, but also being very strategic about de-risking that. So I'm just, um, you know, I'm not, you know, Miss Sunshine all the time. I'm, you know, things are not good. I'm calling it and telling people to step back. And I'm looking at the opportunities ahead at the moment. And I'm looking at war and I'm looking at strife and I'm looking at concerns. I'm looking at terrible inflation in the US and I'm tracking the other markets around the world. And I'm also tracking where people from around the world are looking. And they're looking at the safety and sanctuary of our little island that has got through COVID okay and is not in the middle of a war. And, you know, we're doing all right. And we are looking at being a place of haven 
and we are going to have an influx of people. And if you think about the fact that we've been closed down for two years and we had this property boom that went on, then, you know, hey, in the next year, people are going to be coming in, they'll be having jobs, so there won't be that wage pressure that everyone's predicting and potentially not even that uh, interest rate rise. But there's people in a year's time are going to be saying, hey, now I can get a loan and I'm going to be buying a property. And we just saw an election that talked about, you know, what, 50,000 new first home buyer grants. There's a lot of property transactions that are going to go on. And, you know, potentially those first home buyers are going to be moving out of investors' properties that were put on reduction of rent um, kind of expectations. But there's going to be a lot of people coming in to take up those properties and they're going to be looking for properties and who has them. And if you have them now, you're the one who's going to be benefiting. Very well said. Very well said. Thank you, Jane. And I just want to say to everyone, I used to listen to podcasts when I was starting out and I always used to think the ones about mindset were a bit fluffy. I would just skip them sometimes. Like, where should I invest? Like, what's the next boom market? You know, what's the right strategy and mindset? Yeah, yeah, I'll get to it. But honestly, I can tell you, you know, 12 years later from the other side, so to speak, you know, even though we didn't tell you where to buy in this episode, we didn't tell you what the secret strategy of millionaires was, what if that even exists. It's these mindset, these, I don't even want to call it mindset. It's something more than that. It's about improving your consciousness, uplifting your consciousness, elevating your consciousness. That's where the real work happens. That's where the real success is achieved. And then property investing is just a vehicle, an outlet to manifest that. That's my personal, humble, honest truth. And I can see you're nodding your head, Jane, as well. <laughs> um, I agree. So thank, you. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you for being with us, Jane. I really appreciate it. And thank you guys, everyone listening um, for being with us as well. Jane, any last thing that you'd like to say? No, look, you know, as PK said, back yourself and you can only control what you can control. Micro steps, just take some momentum forward and believe in yourself and back yourself. Amazing. Amazing. So I'm, you know, I'm a huge believer in education. Jane is a huge believer in education and also delivers a whole bunch of education. I won't do it justice by going through all the courses and everything, but look, she's, she's pretty much a big deal. So just Google her, you'll find everything. (laughs) So um, go check that out. And yeah, once again, Jane, thank you so much for making time. Absolute pleasure.